Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and on our podcast, we love to give a voice to the women whose story is meaningful, moving, and compelling. Today's guest is Janet Fouts. Janet, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Susan. You are so welcome. Look, I know this has been a long time coming. We've had this on the calendar for quite a while, so I'm (laughs) super excited. Why don't you tell us all a little bit about yourself? Oh, let's see. Well, I'm um, CEO of Tattoo Digital Media, which is a social media marketing company, and I'm also CEO and founder of a company called Nearly Mindful, where I teach people about mindfulness and emotional intelligence. Um, I'm an author, I'm a speaker, I do a lot of retreats and workshops. There's a whole bunch of stuff, but that's basically who I am. Well, I think you're probably super busy at this time in crisis. Um, We need a lot more mindfulness in our every minute of every day, especially in times of crisis. So I'm glad to know that you have that skill set. I may just have to give you a call after the show. Let me ask you something. You've done a lot. It sounds like you've done a lot. Why don't you tell us a little more about your book? And when I write the blog about you, I'll include a link to that book. Sure. Thank you. I've written um, seven, actually. But wow. the, uh, yeah, a lot. Amazing. Um, so impressed. Uh, well, I don't know if we should put a link to all seven, but if you want, I will. Well, the one that I really am most proud of is called when life hits the fan and it's a mindful guide to caring for others and also maybe even more importantly to caring for yourself because we often and when we're caregivers we don't take care of ourselves very well and we get caught up in the pressure and the rush and the wanting to help the person that we're caring for And if we don't take care of ourselves, we don't do a very good job of caring for them. And um, it really comes from my own experience as a caregiver and my own experience at sucking as a caregiver and learning how mindfulness could really make a humongous difference in my well-being, everyone around me's well-being. Janet, I have to tell you, I didn't want to interrupt, but I'm chomping at the bit because I am a caregiver. I I don't know if you know this or not, but I've been the caregiver for my mom. We finally have a facility Mm -hmm. that she's in, which now is the worst time for that. I can't even. Oh, how scary is that? Oh my gosh. They have had several deaths in her facility already. Um, She doesn't understand why we're not picking her up and bringing her to our house every Sunday. She doesn't understand why I can't go see her. And when you talk about being a caregiver, I, I can totally relate to the stressors of that. But then when you talk about forgetting to care for self, that really strikes a chord. I mean, that's, I have been remiss in even putting me on the list, much less at the top. So um, that will have to change. And in this new, new normal, I don't know what that's going to look like, but I can tell you what, I'm going to buy your book for sure. Um, Totally need that book in my life personally. I actually um, have become more aware or maybe people have come to me more now that I am a caregiver, that a lot of people in our community are caregivers, in my circle of friends, in my business network. And I had Mm -hmm. no idea. Um, You know, yeah, people don't talk about it. 
people don't talk about it and most people do not identify themselves as a caregiver. In fact, I didn't identify myself as a caregiver until one of the doctors did and said, are you the caregiver? And I was like, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we Weird, just, we don't want to label it. There's so much baggage that comes with that. And it's so stressful. Yes. And, you know, 40% of caregivers die before the patient they care for, or the person they care for. Uh, um, it's just like, no, I'm not the caregiver. Don't label me that. But yes, I am. Guess what? Yeah. It's very stressful. Um, so I didn't realize all that you do. Um, I'm probably going to bother the hell out of you <laughs> <laughs> Feel free. about a lot of things. Well, since you have written seven books and you do spend your time helping folks recognize the benefits of EQ and, you know, that that's really the biggest leadership quality one can have. Good listening. Especially now. Yes. I was just going to say, I find that people's... Um, Fuses are very short, understandably so. We are going a little stir crazy, stuck at home, working with our spouses. We normally don't see them all day and um, having my kid home from college. He's going through midterms on the computer. It's a new, new normal. It's not just a new normal. It's a new, new normal. How mm -hmm. do you advise people in your circle um, to cope? Well, you know, there's so many different ways that we need to be coping right now. We need to be coping with managing a family or managing our household or managing our pets. Gosh, you know, oh, yeah. people who have pets at home are so filled with anxiety about if, and I am too, honestly, for things like this, are the dogs gonna bark? So right now I'm out in the garage with the cats. So who knows what'll happen? And, you know, we have all these little underlying stresses that we don't acknowledge are there. And I think that's the first thing that we really need to do is acknowledge the stress and realize that that stress exists and it's okay, we can't change it. So allowing that stress to just be what it is and not giving it too much weight. You know, I've, I've been coaching people who are working from home for the first time for major corporations that normally you can't work from home. So all of their little things that they're used to having in the office are not there. Yeah. They leave things in their desks. They are working from home on a computer that isn't attached to the one at work. Uh, they don't have their cohort and the people around them. The meetings, everybody's tired of Zoom at this point. There's so many things going on that are causing more stress. And if we focus on what we don't have instead of what we do have, that's just gonna make it bigger. You know, you make a great point that I didn't really think about. Um, I was like, where is she going with this pet? <laughs> <laughs> but I'll tell you, um, yeah, I've had to tell the people that I work with, and I talk to people every day, all day long. Um, in fact, those lines are blurred of, you know, cause I haven't worked worked in an office for over two years, I work 24 seven, like there's no nine to five Monday through Friday for me. It's always mm -hmm. all the time. And that, that too, I have to change. But when you said the point about the pets, I've had to tell people, don't worry about it. If your dog barks <laughs> or your cat like mine jumps on your laptop <laughs> and, and sends an email to the New York times, which my cat <laughs> did, they wrote me back oh, and no. they said, yeah, they wrote back and said, we don't understand your message. And I was like, 
you don't speak feline. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're all adjusting to these new um, things. So for me, my husband's office is now our dining room. My son's mm-hmm. school classroom is the entire upstairs. And yeah, uh, those are little added stressors that we don't recognize as stressors. We keep those, you know, those are not hidden consciously, but I think that I don't realize that. Yeah, that would drive me nuts if my cat and interrupted. We stuff them. Yes. And we make them bigger by simply trying to contain them. And if we just stop trying to contain them, yeah. they lose their power. Well, what, do, what do we do when we stuff our feelings, or at least I do? It just amplifies it. It yeah. just makes it worse. And, you know, it will come out in in unusual and unexpected ways. <laughs> yeah. Simple, me, simple things. For me, um, I have found that I am a stress eater. So when you say amplifies it, yeah, it amplifies my thighs because I have to tell you <laughs> the underlying stressors that come. So for all the people that are going through this right now, now that they're stuck working from home, I went through this two years ago when I first started my business and worked from home and had my mother here with me. She would bang on the walls and scream my name and forget that I was in a meeting. And it was just Mm. such a nightmare. And I had to beg the clients to understand. And they were not understanding or forgiving now that they're going through the same thing. (laughs) I'm sure they're remembering and going, oh, yeah, the dog is barking. I remember. Um, So that's an important point to recognize. We don't have just the normal stressors of everyday work life. We have this added layer, a uh, multifaceted layer actually of other little stressors. Um, and when you say not yes. in your office, I think about the stress ball I used to squeeze. Like that's in the office and I'm home and it's there and I'm here and where's my stress ball and I need to squeeze it. Yeah, exactly. Um, what, a, what a good point to bring up because I think a lot of people when they talk about the stresses of working from home, talk about the regular things that we expect to have happen, like learning Zoom and, and what is a breakout room on Zoom and those sorts of, but forget all about the underlying stress of, I am worried that my dog will bark or I am worried that my, you know, for me, Janet, my husband actually, um, I probably don't know you well enough to tell you this story, but I'm sure there's some people listening who've experienced, um, you know, someone walking in on their, on their call when it was video. So Mm -hmm. um, there's that, you know, this is a highly stressful time. What do you personally do to combat that? I'm spending more time meditating because that's something that really helps me. Um, But, you know, if you don't meditate, there are a lot of other things that you can do that can simply help you. Some of it is knowing where you're going to work knowing that you have a setup. Um, I've been working from home for over 20 years, and so it's become uh, normal for me to work from home. Something that we really need to understand is that this is not what it's like normally to work from home. We have so many extra stressors. We're dealing with many, many levels of grief, emotions like fear and anger and frustration, All of those things are added to this. So anybody who says, okay, I am never going to work from home because this sucks. This is not what it's like to work from home. True. This is what it's like to work under trauma and stress. And that's very different. So again, taking a breath, just recognizing that 
allowing yourself to get focused. If you have to be on a Zoom call, get focused before the call. Be ready. Get your stuff together. Have your cup of tea. Get settled. And then be ready to have that conversation. And be fully present when you're doing it. I can't think of anything that drives me crazier than being on a webinar or a Zoom call where you can tell that no one's paying any attention, that they're answering their email or they're playing video games while they're waiting for their turn to speak. That is not helpful and it's definitely not a way to move up the, lead, the leadership chain either because people know. Yeah, yeah. And you're not helping yourself when you do that. Um, <laughs> distracted living, you know, so I am a fan of being present, being in the moment, sitting with the present. A lot of people who are listeners are, you know, this kind of conversation is foreign to them. They're fast paced. They're, you know, their calendar dictates their day or their watch dictates their day. They don't consciously dictate their own day. Um, they don't, they don't um, give it. To, so, so I always say, you need to focus more on your attention than your time. You know, let's pay as much. Uh, how, do you, how do you manage your attention, not just manage your time? And yeah. I think that's what you're saying. And if so, I agree totally. Um, those are very good tips. I think one that seems obvious to people like you and me is breathe. Mm -hmm. But it's not obvious to most people. And I mean, consciously breathe. Like stop. Inhale exhale and sit with it. I think that's foreign to a lot of folks, um, which is probably what keeps you in business. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is definitely one of the things, especially when working with executives who are under a lot of pressure and, you know, they're really unaware of how much pressure they're under. And when we do that, stop, inhale, exhale, feel yourself settle before you make a phone call, before you send an email, before you enter a meeting, all of those things. That allows you to be more present. It activates your parasympathetic nervous system, allows you to settle and get more grounded. And it can really change the way a room responds to you. You know, if you're going into a meeting and before you walk into the meeting, you take one breath, doesn't have to be a big thing, you don't have to telegraph it to the whole world, and put your hand on the door, and just silently say to yourself, I'm here now. When you enter that room, people will feel your presence more than they will if you come in distracted and, and not paying attention. I agree. I can't tell you how much I agree. So when you walk in that room and you haven't uh, initiated that practice, and it doesn't take time, it doesn't take too much time, it's worth the little time it takes. People can tell when you're frenetic, you're running late, your papers are dropping everywhere. I mean, my husband is one of those executives that doesn't get in the zone first because he's, uh, you know, meeting on top of meeting on top. I said, what about the in-between? You, don't you need to schedule some time in between those meetings to get where you need to be? And I don't mean just in the car. I mean, emotionally, <laughs> mentally, spiritually, intellectually. Um, yeah, I think a lot of executives don't do that. They jam as much into their days. Um, as possible. I think I used to be that way, but I'm highly energetic. Like people feel my energy mm -hmm. and I could tell that that impacts the people in the room, just like what you just said. 
center yourself and share your highest and best self with the rest of the room. Um, yeah. That's what I hear you saying. Well, you're amazing. Do you, do you practice what you preach? <laughs> Mostly. Yeah. <laughs> that's why my company is called Nearly Mindful. I got you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Cause that's true. No one's perfect. We, you know, yeah. that's amazing. Well, and it's also, you know, just one more thing about that topic is that when you look around a room full of people, who do you trust? You trust the one that's calm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the person who's centered and who is fully present when they're there. So and my you know, son always says, mom, calm is the samurai's greatest weapon. Oh, I love that. He's such a little wise man. My little Buddha. Yeah. He, he says calm. And I'm like, yeah, well, he has that big sword that he flips around all the time. You know? But no, <laughs> he's right. You, um, I always look to the calmest person in the room as the key influencer it may or may not be the decision maker, but certainly, uh, like you said, people look to the person who's calm for the answer. So I love that. That's, that's good advice. What are a couple more tips that you, if you don't mind sharing a couple more tips that you can give um, those people who are trying to keep the plates spinning and the balls juggling, and now they're working from home. First one is take a look at how many plates you have spinning right now and how many of them are really necessary in this moment. Uh, we think that multitasking is an absolute, absolute have to have. It's Silicon Valley. We have to be doing all this stuff, stuff, stuff all the time, all at once. Not true. If we do one of those things, I'm a big fan of what's called the Pomodoro method. I'm not sure if you know what that is. Um, is but it the it's, ranking? It's basic, no, it's basically, um, I will take 20 minutes and say, I'm gonna fully focus on writing this piece or you know, creating whatever it is for the next 20 minutes. I'm not gonna be distracted by all the other things that I do and by, chunking up my day so that I know how things are going to be distributed and allowing myself that time at the end of 20 minutes, I'll get up, I'll go get a cup of coffee. I'll take a walk. I'll go weed in the garden. I'll do something that gets me out of that phase and that for a minute, two minutes, five minutes, and then I'll go back to another block of time. It doesn't have to be 20 minutes, but when we block out time to do specific tasks, we're much more effective at getting them done to completion than we are if we're we have our email open and Twitter is over here and Facebook is over here. I work with three monitors, so because I code and I design, so you know wow. I do have a lot going on, but I really try to focus in that time frame on that task, and it's much more effective than the multitasking that we think is helping us because it's not. That is such good information. I want to share that in the blog. And no, I had not heard of that or done that. And I'm surprised. That's So I do lead my life by a force ranking. You know, pick your priorities, focus. You know, it's not about the number of minutes. Like something that's most important might take less time than the hour I have carved out for something that's not at all important. But I love that. So that's new to me. And I may try to put that into practice. Um, I'm going to write about that in the blog. If you want to send me something to include, that's fine. Otherwise, I'll Google it and check out the Pomodoro method. That sounds yeah, send link. super helpful. Great. Well, let yeah. me ask you, you're so accomplished. Seven books. My gosh. Um, what has been your proudest professional accomplishment? 
Hmm. Gosh, you know, I really, I love that I've published books, but I think that my proudest accomplishment has come in retreats and workshops where people have that, what, what brings me to life is when people have that epiphany Yeah, and they get it. And that's what moves me more than anything else. Uh, it could be something as simple as I was working with an executive in Silicon Valley. She commutes for 45 minutes twice a day. And she said for the first time in her life, she was driving, somebody cut her off, traffic was horrible. And instead of fighting it and getting angry about it, she took a few breaths and she wished everybody in front of her that they get home safely. Yeah, And she's developed that into a practice. And it just, that's amazing to turn around that trigger of being angry and frustrated. And then you just internalize that. And for her to just go, you know, I just thought, wow, they all have a place to go to. And I just hope they get home safely. That's so awesome. Um, She changed her mind. She didn't just, I mean, to change your behavior might be fleeting, you know, but she actually put into practice something that now she'll respond differently every time. So she changed her mind. That's really yes. powerful. I want to ask you, I too am a public speaker and I really, you know, the energy and the being face to face and the seeing the, you know, facial expressions and the body language and how, I mean, I'm struggling with how I'm going to transition in the new, new normal. So how are you dealing with that? I'm doing more with podcasts. I'm doing a lot of Zoom, which I had already done, um, but I'm trying not to do broadcast Zoom. I don't do, really do webinars. Um, I do workshops where people actually engage with each other as well as with me. Yeah. And it's huge. It's so amazing to give people something to discuss and then let them go off and discuss it and bring it back. And it creates a sense of community And, you know, if I go back in my history as a businesswoman, it started with online community in 1995. So community has always been my thing. And now I want that community to really engage with each other. And especially in my business where they're usually in some form of need or stress and wanting comfort for people to be able to comfort themselves brings brings everybody together and it's really beautiful. And and that is the question I have for my own work, which is normally, uh, and we can talk offline about this, but the benefit of being there person to person and how to transition that to a virtual work um, space or, or a virtual practice mm-hmm. is a challenge for me. So maybe we'll talk later about how you're doing that successfully. I'd love to know. But in the meantime, you are a remarkable woman, and we know that, but I'm sure you've had people who have mentored you or inspired you along the way. Who were those people, and would you like to give them a shout-out? Oh, gosh. You know, I think one of them would be Ayelet Barron. Uh, She is an amazing woman who left high-tech in Silicon Valley and moved to Vancouver and is writing wonderful, wonderful books about emotional intelligence and leadership. And she's just a really beautiful person. And another person who has influenced me a huge amount is Kari Anderson. 
she's also, both of them are speakers. Kari's written many books, but her real focus is on mutuality and how us each other and doing that without agenda. Just, I want to help you. That's awesome. She's amazing too. That's my whole business model, which is the perfect segue into the next question. So what would she say or maybe, and also I want to know how you believe we can lift other women in business. How can we, it doesn't have to be some grand scheme, but you know, even day to day, how can we support other women? Pay attention, pay attention and listen. You know, so often I find people in business, particularly in high tech, very self-focused and not paying attention to what other people need. And that doesn't have to be a big need. It doesn't have to be humongous. You could just simply be saying, how are you? And listening to the answer. That's beautiful. Everybody can do that. Yep. That doesn't take any extra, you know, you don't have to buy anything to do that. You don't have to get dressed up to do that. You know, there's no excuse not to do that, to listen, engage in third level listening, really pay attention and to show someone that you're there and you care. So I think that women certainly need more of that, especially in, in the tech space. Um, yes. Too few voices are heard there. Too many are drowned out. So I love that you said that. Um, what personally or professionally is your biggest challenge or setback, and how did you overcome that, if you're willing to share? I think my biggest setback, honestly, is making a shift from being a social media company to being a mindfulness company. Um, sure, I can market <laughs> mindfulness pretty well because I got some marketing background, but making that shift and going back to my clients and saying, okay, I have made a 360 degree spin at least three times and now I'm here. Um, and this has happened over the last six years. Um, it's challenging for people to understand what I do now and um, not ask me for advice on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, okay, so now I know my limit. <laughs> I was gonna no ask TikTok you about social media marketing. <laughs> yeah, my son oh, won't no. let me. Go yeah, ahead. He won't let me get on TikTok. He he's like, I draw the line, you busted me on Facebook, I left Facebook, then you joined Snapchat, now you're on TikTok, what? Yeah, so uh, <laughs> we can talk about that another day, but I, I think that when you first said the shift from social media to mindfulness, to me, the immediate thought was, or the connotation, those are almost opposite extremes. Yes and no. You know, my, the book before this last one was called Mindful Social Marketing. And wow. it really came from my understanding of, okay, I'm here about community. Community is what matters. That's what social media is all about. And we yes. keep getting away from that. We keep getting towards push marketing. And it was driving me nuts. So I wrote a book. And it was a segue for me to realize that this is not the world that I want to go forward in as a businesswoman anymore. And I turned Tattoo Digital into a publishing company because I just really don't want to. Um, be in that world anymore. It's not exciting to me anymore. This mindfulness, emotional intelligence, positive neuroplasticity. Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. And that's what moves me. So now I'm here. 
it shows a great spiritual maturity. Now, I didn't know you before, but one would probably agree that when you engage in mindfulness, you're likely more spiritually mature than the average person who engages in propaganda and push marketing on social media. <laughs> so <laughs> one would hope. I hope that so. would be true. Well, you make me want to buy that book too. So <laughs> I'm going to spend my, um, you know, hard earned on your, you know, very valuable books. So I actually uh, would like to list all seven books. And I, I so far want to purchase two, your last two so far. So tell us something about you that maybe um, not everyone knows. Even people who know you may not know this. So what's a surprising fact about you? Oh, I have to give you two because one is I'm a stress baker and I was a restaurant chef back in the 80s and the 90s. And all of a sudden I found I like cooking again because it's not a job anymore and I'm really enjoying it. I love that. So there's another match. I'm a stress eater. So <laughs> <laughs> I should bake for you. <laughs> danger, danger. Wow. <laughs> Keep us apart, right? So um, yeah, that's incredible. And I find that, you know, chefs who tap into innovation and their own creative imaginings, um, they they can do things like write books and you know, the, just the fact that you're creative and innovative and um, you express it in different languages, one being baked goods, you know? So I love that. That's incredible. Well, listen, I know where to find you. You're on speed dial now. So look out. <laughs> <laughs> what if other people want to reach out to you? How do they do that? Uh, they could look at my website, nearlymindful.com or janetfouts.com. Easy. And Jay Fouts pretty much everywhere. Well, I'm going to put all of that into the blog. And folks, if you couldn't jot it down, don't worry about it. You can go to my website, pull up her blogcast, and at the bottom, right below our podcast, I'll list her contact info. And if you are open to people connecting with you on social, um, is that okay too? I'll share your LinkedIn. Absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. You can post my phone number. I don't mind. <laughs> Go get some baked goods during this high stress time because we know Janet's baking. Um, <laughs> you're so great. You're so talented. I mean, I knew a little bit about you. I didn't know all this. This has been really, really great and eye-opening. And I can't wait to write the blog and uh, buy your books. Well, thank you so much, Susan. It's been a pleasure. Well, same here. And thank you for tuning in again, folks. And we'll have more good stuff coming, especially since we are home now, working from home. I find a lot more people are tuning in. So glad to have you here, Janet, and good to have you here, listeners. Have a good day. Thank you, everyone.